Talking Queers. Happy Pride. Happy, happy, happy Pride. Uh, what a what a year it is. What a year it has been and continues to be. Um, uh, maybe the best year of my life. I don't know about you. <laughs> what Pride do you attend in your area? We have Long Beach Pride, which is close to me, which honestly, I've never been to. It's oh. the closest. I know it's the closest Pride. Actually, to be honest, I don't think I've been to a Pride since I moved to Southern California 11 years ago. Oh, wow. But Long Beach yeah. would be your... Long, Be- Long Beach would be the closest your one. Your resident pride. Yes, and then LA Pride is like our bigger one. Okay. And then I think then there's right. uh, Sa- San Diego Pride. I don't never go to that, but um, that is like a closer one as well. That's pretty big. But LA Pride is like the big one. Yeah. Well, I have to brag a little bit because I live in Napa. Oh, yeah. And so that means that besides New York, we have the second best Pride celebration in the world. San Francisco Pride. Yes, and all of my Pride experiences all come from San Francisco Pride. Ours would have been like this. Well, when this airs, it'll be it would have been that weekend that this airs uh, the 26th, 27th or whatever that is. So I have a question for you as a gay man. What are you most proud of about yourself? Oh my god, that's a good question. I got you, girl. As you're thinking about that, let me just say, hey, listeners. <laughs> oh yes, uh, hi guys. Welcome to the show. I'm Jake, and I'm Frankie, and you're listening to Fear the Talking Queers yes. Pride Edition. Pride Edition. Pride 2020. One for the history um, books. Oh, absolutely. The thing that I'm most proud of myself as a gay man oh god that is a tough one you you want me to tell you mine yeah wait yeah because i I knew i was gonna ask you this i already had a a speech prepared oh oh you had to prepare Uh, um uh, (laughs) i was gonna say that i'm actually most proud of the ability to even be proud because a lot of people don't get to be out and proud so i think that is like a you know an award in itself to be an out and proud gay person, yeah, you know, in 2020, it's it's a gift, you know, that a lot truly of the, a gift. Yeah, you know, like a lot of the previous generations didn't have. We we are so fortunate right. to be to be born in this time. I literally say this all the time. I will look at somebody and just be like, God, could you imagine like not being gay? Like, ugh. <laughs> like, oh God. Ugh. Oh God. Like, and have to pretend to be interested in sports. <laughs> Oh my god! Or like actually be interested in sports. Like I love my I love my straight brothers and sisters and stuff like that. But like, uh, it's just so much more fun being gay. It's just so fucking fabulous. And, yeah. Oh my god! You know we, we we can do so many things. I just know for myself, like being gay is a is a fucking gift. Um. So back to me. Um, oh. Okay. I've decided. Um. I I would say that what makes me most proud as a gay man is the ability to open people's minds that haven't ever been open to this sort of idea yes. you know that so, that somebody that we were that we were born this way hey and using just who who I am to enlighten people and to help them get to uh, like maybe places that they never thought that they would be due to their like you know religious upbringing or yeah take them out of their comfort zone right take them out of their comfort zone and be like look yes i'm a i am a gay person but i'm also all of these other things i'm also i can relate to you on on so many different levels and it doesn't 
and we have more in common than you think yeah. and that it's not all it's not all about being gay with me but like it is well. part of me it is a huge part <laughs> it is a huge part of me but um right that you know and i hope that i the people that i've met that maybe had never have never even like hung around a gay person before and that i've i've hopefully shown them that that they can be friends with gay people and it, and and especially when they have like a willingness to learn that's yeah to create a connection with somebody who normally probably wouldn't have a connection with someone like you right yeah a absolutely. queen i know exactly what you mean that is a fun uh, experience when you have a conversation with someone who probably doesn't have yeah. gay friends has not been around gay people has a lot of questions and you just normalize everything for them and to the point where they're like oh and you're like yeah yeah like hello what yeah. did you think i'm not after you oh my god uh, like, like you know it's that, the whole thing yes. like yo uh, i'm cool with gay people but you know as long as they don't hit on me like kind i'm of like bullshit. i like, would never hit on you a lot of straight guys think that though like i'm uncomfortable even around gay people because yeah. they're always trying to get at me it's like sweetie girls aren't even trying to yep. get at you yes. <laughs> uh, sweetie i love sweetie <laughs> how <I'm> condescending <laughs> yeah sweetie i just saw like some list on on facebook that was like when you know gay people are mad it's like the five things they use it's like honey sweetie like, <laughs> i think sweetie was like the number one like you know it's, it's fucking real when somebody's like sweetie, sweetie stop <laughs> so sf pride is going to be very different this year they're going to do um an online streaming for the celebration i think it's going to be sfpride.org is where they'll be having like 13 hours of content headlined by the queen of bounce big frida oh my god yes yes. so that's happening and they're also uh san francisco pride will also take part in global pride have you heard about global pride let me tell me about it so it's a 24-hour live stream festival uniting hundreds of pride organizations from around the world on saturday june 27th i believe there's not much information about it because i think they're still like figuring this shit out so i think that it's gonna you mean they haven't done this before <laughs> uh, 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 but i think right. it's gonna be streaming on youtube i'm almost positive and it's led by Interpride, a collection of pride organizers from around the world um and global pride will unite 350 prides from around the world so it's the biggest pride celebration so even though you can't go to your local pride celebration you'll have this online global streaming of pride from around the world wow that's so cool yeah, I, I didn't know that was happening. So, and I did want to read um, a quote from Carolyn Weisinger. She is the San Francisco Pride Board president, and if I'm thinking correctly, this is her first time doing Pride. So, unfortunately for her, Ooh, it's sorry, been baby girl, to this, but... you've been handed, you've been dealt a really <sighs> terrible hand. I know. So she made a quote that I think speaks um, volumes. Begin quote. In the wake of the murders of Tony McDade, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor, many people asked if Pride would be postponed to honor the movement around the world against police brutality. My response is always the same. Stonewall was started by a black trans woman. Stonewall was a defense of black bodies. In honor of this, San Francisco Pride will use this moment to lift up and center our black LGBTQ plus community members. They are my siblings. Remember, when you solve it for black people, you solve it for everybody. And you don't have to pivot to center black people and black voices if you are already centering and seeing them. Work. Work. I love that. I know. 
which is very true. Marsha P. Johnson. She threw the first stone, not like that horrible movie that came out. Oh, they, my What, what was that called? Was that called Stonewall? It Stone was Wall? called Stonewall, and it was a yeah. historically inaccurate. We don't talk about that movie. It's awful. Yeah, Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson are the faces of Stonewall for me. It was led by people of color who are still to this day are the most at risk for hate crimes. So Here in L.A., I think our, our pride would have been last week. There was an org- like an organized march that they did, um, hmm. which they called the the All Black Lives Matter March. Right. It was in conjunction with Pride. If you can just look it online, they have that picture of Sunset that is just absolutely packed with people. Emphasize that it's also queer black lives, it's trans black lives, it's mm-hmm. black children. And, you know, every black life matters. So they've sort of taken that like all lives matter and sort of like reclaimed and was like all black lives matter like all members of the black community have to be the face of the movement yes including especially trans people because trans people are murdered at an insane rate yes yes without justice with no justice pretty much it's horrific so switching gears here what is your pride anthem for 2020 Ooh, uh uh what uh I'm sure everybody can guess, but girl, this is the summer of Chromatica. Right. So, um, I mean, there are several songs on there, but I think I'm going to pick Babylon. Okay. Uh, I mean, because, I mean, you just listen to it. It's obviously like a really clear reference to um, early 90s house music, that, that like catwalk Vogue style. I know people are like, oh, this is the new Vogue. And. And I think it's fucking fierce. It is runway stompable. The message of the song is about gossip. She's been able to fight off her personal demons. And now she's able to let go of caring about the things people say about her, about being judged and not being good enough. And she's taking back the power. And she said, like, you know, gossip is something that as as a celebrity and everything, it's something that used to really, really bother her. Yeah. And that now... It doesn't. She's she's been able to lift herself above that, and so she's like, you know what? You want to talk all the shit you want? That's fine, Babylon. But you know what? I'm gonna be here and do my motherfucking oh, thing. And I'm gonna dance the, the night away. Yes, but ba- yes, Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> Clever, right? Oh, play on words. I love it. Uh, Babylon is my 2020 Pride anthem. So I have two. I knew you were going to pick a Lady Gaga song, so I <laughs> refrained from doing so, but I was going to say Rain On Me. <laughs> well, yeah, so that was my alternate, was was Rain On Me, because that's the one everybody yes. knows. Again, a, a, another powerful message. It's like, look, you know, this, especially like in this time, you know, mm-hmm. you can bring on all the pain, you could just fucking you know whatever just throw exactly. it on me rain rain on rain me rain on me but because that's what's yeah. happening this year we have covid yeah. police white supremacists yeah. and they're right. all trying and- to rain on our parades and that's not we're not going to let it happen so the one i chose as my ultimate favorite for pride 2020 season is always the ways and odyssey remix of as by george michael and mary j blige yeah i love that song it makes me feel so happy especially during these crazy times um, yes. And then I love the video with all the, you know, drag race queens just yes. going back and forth at home and the COVID craziness. Um, I love it. I think they did a great job. Yes. And, you know, George Michael is one of my idols. So um, a remix of that song. And I, I love that song. Like I love George it. and Mary J. Cl- Do you know that song is actually a cover of a Stevie Wonder song? Yes. Yeah. So do you have any 
personal pride experiences you'd like to share with the group? Uh, oh boy, do I. <laughs> Frankie. The Grand Marshal yeah, so- of Pride every year. <laughs> yes. So, uh, what year was this? This was probably uh, 2000. I I think I just moved to Southern, Southern California, and then I went back up to Northern California to visit you and uh, my other best friend, Rihanna. And Rihanna. We, hi, Rihanna. Uh, yeah, hi, Rihanna. 2011 or 12. I don't know. Whatever. Not important. Me, you, and Rihanna, we head up to San Francisco <laughs> for Pride. We're ready to have a good time. To my defense, and before you continue, I just turned 21. Actually, I think it was probably like, we're ready. We can finally like enjoy Pride to the fullest because we're of age. Exactly. And that's what I did, everybody. Before he goes on. <laughs> Bitch. So we get there. We get to Pride. I sort of lost you for a second. I think I was like catching up with other people. And then I feel like next thing I know, I came back to you and bitch, you had been enjoying yourself with some other people (laughs) taking drinks. All of a sudden I was like, wow. I was like, Frankie is, he's fucking, he's lit as fuck already. And we just got here. And all of a sudden this bitch is, you are like stumbling. You are stumbling. You are out for the fucking count. Like, and we don't know what to do with you. No, because because I couldn't even stand up. Right, and and we had just we just gotten there. This again, the sun is not even down at this point, and you are fucked up. Oh yeah, I'm in and the hot so, ass sun. Oh fuck, we're like he's throwing up on the sidewalk. What are we gonna do? Like we parked an hour's train ride away, so it's not like we had the means to just get up and go, and we weren't even close to the BART station. And you were so we're like, well, <laughs> he just needs to like. I don't know, sleep this off or something. And you were like passing out. And so we put you in the front seat of our friend's car. So you were like half hanging out of this car. And we're like, what do we do? How do we get, how do we get you back? And so we like woke you up. We're like, we got to go. And so you would finally, you woke up and you were just still wasted. But you were at least speaking at this point. And so (laughs) when you were like, this is like my favorite thing that you've ever said in your life. And I still say this to this day. And you're like, you're like, calm down down Meryl Streep like (laughs) (laughs) that was like the funniest thing and so we need to get this bitch out of here we somehow I don't know how drunkenly got your ass back to the BART station yes I remember throwing up in my backpack at the bar Uh, in the bar and then this lady came up and gave me a soda and I was like yes get away from me Meryl Streep yes then we got to Rihanna's house and I woke up with the vomit filled bag hanging over my head (laughs) with Cheryl holding it over me like what is this oh my gosh and Rihanna's like mom "Mom, get it out Oh my god, what a mess. We were literally gay characters out of a horror movie walking around San Francisco. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> in just the night. Begging, to, begging to be killed. <laughs> Speaking of gay horror movie characters, there aren't many. Okay. So, um, Frankie and I have com- compiled a little list LGBT plus characters in horror films. The first one that I want to talk about is one of my favorites. Okay. And uh, her name is Willow Rosenberg from the. Sh- hit show <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer Work. Willow Rosenberg is played by the actress Allison Hannigan I thought you were going to say so, Willow Smith <laughs> <laughs> yeah her too so Willow is Buffy's loyal best friend she has like a genius level IQ but she's very witty and then she becomes the most powerful witch in the world and almost destroys the world at one point she <gasps> is 
incredibly powerful. Oh my gosh. The only other character in the show to appear in every single episode, all 144 episodes over seven seasons, other than Sarah Michelle Gellar. For the first three seasons of the show, she, um, she dated men. In season four, will you know they go to college and of course, um, that's where that's where it happens. The experimentation. Yes. Willow ends up meeting the character Tara, who is who she meets in a uh, like a, a witch, like a Wiccan club, like a Wicca club. Okay, um, and they become like close friends right away, and, and finally it comes out. She's like, yeah, we're we're a couple. I am part of the LGBT community, honey, and y'all got to deal with it. And she, one thing I really appreciate about how they tackle the storyline is that she's incredibly unapologetic about it. Yeah. Which for like the year 2000 is probably heads above other other series. Or I think it's also great how the other char- how they wrote the other characters to handle it. They they're at first they're like just sort of surprised, and then they're like, but you know what? that's our bitch that's our best friend and right. that's how it's gonna be and they accept it and it is never addressed as an issue the rest of the show spoiler everybody when um tara dies in the sixth season it's pretty like devastating like like i think it was just a huge deal that like oh my god these characters that that we fell in love with and that we accepted and loved and didn't work out because one died and it was an emotional experience for people Aww. um they decided to keep Willow a lesbian because Joss Whedon was afraid that she would, that people would write it off as it being a phase. Joss Whedon has a quote saying, um, okay, you can't make Willow buy. He's like talking to himself. He's saying, okay, you can't make Willow buy. You can't say that this is a phase because that's what people do to de- to deny their existence. Right. Um, this actually came out literally just like maybe a week or two ago that he says this about the character of Willow and goes, so if I did it now, I'd be like, yes, she can be bi because some people are bi. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's just the truth. Um, but back then it was like, no, we're not ready for that. And I think that that was a really, a really like strong standpoint for Joss Whedon to take. I've never seen a single episode of Buffy. Uh you are a fucking fraud. <laughs> Fraudulent. <laughs> Fraudulent. Um, no, it's my favorite show in the world. My first character that I want to talk about was Michael from the short film The Quiet Room, which is now streaming on Shudder. Um, sure the is. actor who played him is Jamal Douglas, who does a fantastic job given the material he was given. The movie is not great. I don't know. I just don't like the movie. But, um, you know, Jamal Douglas is black and he is the first gay black final character of a horror movie. That's the great part about this movie. But that's the only great part about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. Thank you, Jamal Douglas, for portraying the first black gay character in a horror movie. Hopefully that will open some... It was just made in 2016, I think. But hopefully that'll open doors to possibilities in the future. Could you imagine that that short film, like, inspired, like, a full-length feature oh, that yeah. was like well-funded and did have a, like an lgbt cast of the forefront or well-written a, yeah, girl <laughs> that, you're, now you're reaching for the stars <laughs> <laughs> i i want to put this out there in the universe that if anybody decides to make a, a, a horror movie centered around gay people we have to play two of them oh yeah please <laughs> ca- yeah cast th- yeah it's gonna happen it's, we're just gonna make it we're gonna, we're make, gonna our make our own yeah we're gonna get real popular from this we're gonna, we're gonna lots get, of monies right. and then you're gonna yeah if you're the talking queers the movie the movie oh my god yeah i'm just drinking a margarita with hornitos and trader joe's margarita yummy mix. <laughs> yeah yummy i love hornitos tequila for margaritas yeah. for anything mix. yeah so good so tell us about your next gay character of choice uh i 
have to give a big shout out to one of my favorite characters, Dr. Frankenfurter from oh, Rocky Horror. Yes. Dr. Frankenfurter is played iconically by Tim Curry. Yes. A man of many faces, many characters, just iconic, you know? But I think Dr. Frankenfurter is definitely probably one of his most famous. Oh, for sure. And Pennywise. And Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the doctor from Scary Movie 2. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Actually, do you know what? Home Alone 2, that's my favorite Tim Curry. So a little bit about Dr. Frankenfurter. So Dr. Frankenfurter is a an alien mad scientist who's from the planet Transsexual. He's a man who dresses in women's lingerie, and he's sort of this androgynous, doesn't really subscribe to either world's no, sort totally. of gender norms. He'd probably be non-binary and, uh, by today's standards. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's probably what, it, yeah, non-binary. The character of Dr. Frankenfurter is, he's like self-centered and he's boisterous, but he is fucking fabulous. Absolutely. Um, he is very ill-tempered, but do you know what? At the end of the day, he just wants to be loved by a hot dude and that is completely relatable. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Dr. Frankenfurter scene, and it still turns me on to this day, is when he goes into Brad's room and they show that that silhouette of him giving him a blowjob. That was 100% a sexual awakening for me. I knew you were going to say that. Okay, this is a funny story. The first time I'd ever seen Rocky Horror was at a birthday party of mine when I was in high school. I was really, really into musical theater. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see all the musicals. But me and a bunch of my high school friends sat around, including my girlfriend at the time. Ew! Yuck! Gross. (laughs) Um, yeah, and I made us all watch Rocky Horror, and like little closeted me was like, "This is amazing," and I was like, not sure what anybody else thought about it. But I love I the knew. idea of you sitting next to this girl who you call we're calling your girlfriend, and then watching <laughs> Doctor Frankenfurter give a blowjob to Brad and getting hard off of that. I was like, I was like oh. So what about um, Laverne Cox playing Doctor Frankenfurter right, so, in the TV yeah, version? So yeah, so there yeah there are more than one iterations of of Frankenfurter. It's not just Tim Curry. Um, yeah, so iconically, not. Uh, I don't want to say iconically. Publicly, publicly. Laverne Cox, we love her. Uh, however, her portrayal of Doctor Frankenfurter is pretty lackluster in performance. I think that you know? whole movie was lackluster. Is it it's an interesting interpretation and you know that they she like, looked okay, we're gonna try great. She yeah, she's like I'm gonna live a, I'm I'm gonna live my Beyonce fantasy, which is fine, I guess. I don't know if it necessarily translated well to the story of what was going it on. It definitely didn't translate vocally. Oh God bless her. She cannot sing. And I can tell you from personal experience, I've done a production of the Rocky Horror you Show. Did. And it is fun as fuck. Oh, and you played honestly, Brad. I did. Pl- I played Brad. Yes. And honestly, the thing that makes the show is the Frankenfurter. Like, if you find somebody who can, who sticks to the script, but is able to, you know, add their own flavor to it, then you really have a fucking great character yeah. and he's he sort of leads the show Powerhouse. into yeah and so where did you do um, this a little lgbt theater in santa Ana, california called theater out shout out to theater out yeah it was a great experience at our frankenfurter um his name was andrew was incredible he was so good so that's frankenfurter we stand 
cool. Well, my second character is from a musical also. A very little-known musical called Zombie Prom. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Very little-known. Very little-known. It was off-Broadway, but it is a phenomenal musical. I was in it with the Harbor Sassoon Theater. I've never seen it. Have you ever heard it? No. You've never even seen, seen... like, the the short film? No, I've seen clips of it from, I think, probably the production you did. Oh, Probably. We had a phenomenal cast. Um, Aubin. Uh, Hamilton star, Aubin Yeah, she's in Hamilton. She was our Miss Strict. Miss Delilah Strict is the character I'll be talking about. Miss Delilah Strict is not a gay character, mind you. She's a very straightforward, strict, uh, which is exactly what she sounds like. Miss Delilah Strict. She is not playing around. (laughs) She, um... Subtle. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, Zombie Prom takes place in the nuclear era of America. It's all about segregation and discrimination, but... Not against any type of race. It's actually against zombies. So, um, yeah. So the the musical is about a boy who meets a girl named Toffee. The boy's name is Johnny. It's a real cute fifties musical. The music is super catchy. I still have the I have the the soundtrack downloaded on my phone. So I listen to it every now and then. I love this oh. musical. The reason I'm talking about Mr. Light District is because in the short film version that they cut out most of the music, which I don't know why they did that, but she was played by RuPaul. That's why I decided to bring her up because RuPaul does a great job. She's, I don't think she sings any of the songs that Miss Strict is supposed to sing in the musical, but she does a great job playing this like strict character and it just added that <laughs> extra layer of like we're not against race, we're not against gender, we're not against homos, but what we are against are zombies. <laughs> oh my god. Was she in drag? She was in drag, yeah. Full drag. Oh. Looked gorgeous. Yeah. Just stunning, tall, amazing. Um, and then what you find out about Miss Strict in the end of the film is that this whole time that she was against the zombie boy, Johnny, that was actually her son. Uh, what a great character for Rue to play because Rue has already that kind of sense of bourgeois. Oh my gosh. Um, so it's a great character for do you remember? Play. Do you remember RuPaul in But I'm a Cheerleader? Oh, Oh my god, do it's I? Ridiculous. I, I mean, I'm, I I more like remember Eddie Cibrian in that movie. Oh my as, god. As, Eddie Cibrian uh, could get it then, he could get it now. I'll be his Leanne Rhymes, I don't care. Ew. Yeah, you're definitely Brandy Glanville <laughs> and I'm definitely Leanne Rhymes. So, um, so my final one that I'm going to talk about is... Uh, this is sort of like an iconic one, and I just watched an entire documentary oh, awesome. about this. Um, so I'm going to talk about the character of Jesse Walsh, um, played by Mark Patton from the film A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Oh my god, where's my um, Freddy Krueger glove? The character is considered the first male scream queen, which I which I love. I think, that is a, I, I think that's a great idea. People in 1985 did not think that was a great idea. <laughs> um it was met with a lot of backlash and basically Jesse sort of fulfills the role of like the final girl. There was never a male in that position because they didn't feel like, like men had anything to change. They're not capable of being intimidated or yeah, like she doesn't need to, he doesn't, they don't need to become strong. They already are. They're just men. And so what a mess. when, the, so when this character, you know, came out and was, I mean, the character isn't gay. The character is, technically straight but mark Patton himself is was a closeted gay man at the time and uh, an up-and-comer who had done a, a show on broadway with Cher, like a play and he was he was ready to become a movie star 
um, despite being closeted. But, you know, that was just how it was back in the day. Right. And after A Nightmare on Elm Street was such a huge success, booking a movie like A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was something that he was like, oh, my God, this is going to be like a huge, a, a huge stepping stone for me. Yeah, Aww. a break for me. And it honestly had the complete opposite effect because, I mean, he was the character is sort of like sensitive and fragile. They have like the female lead character. She's always like going out of her way to tell him like, I, you know, I... I can protect you, you know. So now, so now he's a sort of being like, type right? Of. It's like a role reversal, and he was seen as sort of being emasculated by that, and um, even down to people criticizing the fact that they thought that he screamed like a woman, like so. It was very, God, it was not, it was not very, yeah, it was not very well received by the public, and because the movie itself has a lot of gay subtext. Oh, I mean, the whole movie like, is homoerotic. <laughs> Oh, yes. And you would think that would come down to the writer sort of taking fault for it. He, For years and years and years, the writer um, never took responsibility for it. He was like, oh, I, you know, it was never meant to be like that. And the only reason that this movie comes across like that is because of Mark Patton's performance as oh, Jesse. Oh, my God. And it's as if he is solely responsible for the movie tanking or... or what, you know, receiving its criticisms because he was he was just too gay to play the character. Right. And which honestly it 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 ruined his career. Aww. He wasn't he was never able to recover from that. He went into hiding, he just left the industry. Yeah, so it's pretty sad. But uh, you know, fortunately though, gay you know, gay people saw this film and all of a sudden were like, Whoa, I feel like I'm being represented in this film like Oh yeah. In a horror totally. film, something I'd never seen before. And so you know the gay community really embraced this film and was like, "Wait, this is a this is a gay this is an LGBT movie. This is a gay movie." Yeah, and, now it's celebrated, and, and, right? And exactly, and it's really be, gained a huge cult status. Even Freddie's like, lines in the movie are like, "Oh yeah, Ro- Robert England said he's like, yeah, I played those scenes as like a seduction scene. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. The way like that's what the way the he was seducing Nancy in A Nightmare on Elm Street one is the way he's." Mm-hmm seducing Jesse, Jesse yeah. and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. That's just how the character was written. So if you watch this documentary, I think it's it, the most exciting part is uh, Mark Patton finally has a moment where he's able to confront the writer of the film. Who I, you know, Ooh. I didn't look up his name and, and you know, he's like, look like you, you said these things about me and you blamed it on me. And I, and even he, even like, Bitch, he came with receipts. He's like, you. Know, he's like, you know what you actually said about this movie? You said that you had, you actually wrote this movie with homophobic subtext. That the point of the movie was supposed to be homophobic. Oh wow! But but do you know what? The gay community came through, and just like we do, we took back the power and we embraced it, and we said, do you know what? This is actually a representation. Oh yeah, we turned that pink and triangle so- upside down. That's right, bitch, and um, I love that. I, I love I love that part of it. I appreciate what he did, and if you have a chance, watch Scream Queen, uh, the documentary, and I think it's available on Shutter. Uh, yes, it is on Shutter. Uh, Scream Queen, my nightmare on Elm Street. My next character is our final is character, obviously gay, <laughs> but he tries to hide it. So it's Ray oh. from Scary Movie. <laughs> oh, I cannot believe. <laughs> This is a curveball. Okay. Hey, 
Ray and Scary Ray. Movie, played by Sean Wayans, who is obviously gay, and obviously they play him up as, you know, probably a closeted gay who tries to cover up the gay things that he does as, like, just a straight guy thing to do. The two-movie arc that Ray has, he is obviously gay. <laughs> like, 100%. Yeah. But, I mean... Yeah. And, no, and he... And he I, he's written so it is a really funny what, like how they've written it because uh, he is technically like a straight character even as a girlfriend the character of Brenda is yes. played by Regina Hall is his girlfriend yeah yeah exactly and I, I thought it was rather clever the way they wrote it I, it yes. could be seen as homophobic but I don't oh, take it that absolutely. way at all like I think it's so entertaining <laughs> I love him oh, I love his portrayal as Ray it's okay to laugh at yourself sometimes yes. you know he has a girlfriend, but he's constantly like making gay, not gay jokes, but like Culture. slip of the tongues. And yeah, it's like raining like, men. <laughs> yes. Uh, when he's when, like, uh, when he makes Brenda dress up in the football gear. Damn, girl, you look slamming in those pants. And she's like, really? And he's all, <laughs> what yeah, what size are those? <laughs> or even down to fun. his death in Scary Movie 1. Where, oh, no, it's not oh even his God. death um, with the dick tickling the... Uh, the oh, ear, scary movie! That's, that's oh, that one. is scary movie. Yeah, one. and uh, well, then in the end, you know, they he and Bobby come out as lovers. No, wait, no, Ray is the one who says that he's not gay. He's like, I am gay. Oh, he's like, he's like, what? He's like, what about our, what about our trip to San Francisco? I wanted to go shopping. He's like, what about that club you took me to? They play good music. <laughs> he's like, but you made love to me. He goes, wait, hold on, you sucked my yeah. So maybe he's not gay. Oh, fuck. We'll just throw this shit out the window. <laughs> throw it out the window. No, but when he's having sex with Brenda in the football gear, he's like, take it, Brendan. Take it, Brendan. He's, she's like, what? Who? Who? <laughs> uh, Brenda. 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 Uh, I, I think he is. But you know what? That oh, says uh, yeah. a lot about people that still force themselves to try and be straight, start families, have kids, and they deny right. it. And they become the most violent ones because they can't live their truth. Bitch, I know you did not just use scary movie as like some sort of deep metaphor. Uh, I had to go somewhere with um, this. It was turning into a mess. (laughs) What's the next topic? (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) Well, you know what? To be honest, there's such a lack of LGBT representation in horror. We need more of it. We need more of Nightmare on Street 2. And we need more of, you know, Michael specifically from The Quiet Room. We don't need more Quiet Rooms. We just need more of that character. Right. Like, could you? God, I couldn't even imagine. Had I, if I had seen like a like a strong gay character, even I don't even care. I would love to play the friend just to be included in the conversation. I think would be amazing. Like yeah. Scream Four, like references the fact that like in, if in you were gay in a horror, a horror movie, movie, you pretty much have to yeah, be you gay. have to be gay because they don't exist in horror films, and so yeah, so that's why they survive because they're in the background going to school. Yeah, they're not one of the characters. Yeah, they don't exist. Yeah. You're not you know. even on the radar, which is, there's just so, it's just so inaccurate. People of color will make it yeah. to the end and gay characters would be a prominent main character. That's right. Come on. Gay people deserve to be murdered in horror films. Yeah. Too. I want to be, you know, chased around a high school with a crazy man with a knife. Yeah. But not because I, I'm yeah. gay, but because I'm worth <laughs> yeah. it. Yes. We don't even have any LGBT representation in horror. So we don't have a movie to talk about this week. However, we do have a documentary that is worth screaming about. Um, the iconic film that has probably inspired way more than you even realize, especially for you Drag Race fans. Oh, wow. you, My you God. Know, you you, you want to watch Paris is Burning and you're like, they just copy and pasted every single phrase, every single line is from Paris is Burning. Well, and even I think it, modern queer culture 
And beyond that, mainstream media has taken the culture from the ballroom scene and has made it just an everyday dialogue. Right. I mean, Pose is is right there in the forefront of the mainstream. Absolutely. Like, well, well, even like when you think sto- about something like the Real Housewives of Atlanta and they're talking about tea and shade and all this like that dialogue sure. that that lingo that slang is it all came from trans not from women this, of color yes in order to understand modern queer culture you have to watch Paris is Burning because our slang our even like our lifestyle it's all heavily heavily influenced by the ballroom scene that is showcased in Paris is Burning. What's like a standout? Because there's a lot of stories within the movie about different ballroom houses. I love how they describe it in the film. They call it that a house is like a gay street gang. Totally. And I think that is so fucking cool. A chosen family. Everybody's out there to become uh, legendary. If you can achieve that legendary status, you are a star. Yeah, and, and, and they talk about it a lot in the film, how there are so many limits placed on not only people of color, but then you add tra- you know trans people, you add gay, you know, the gay element to it. And there are so many limits to how far society will allow them to get. The amazing thing about this film is that the LGBT community, again, especially of color, I want to really, really emphasize that because that that is what it is and um created this community where they compete and where they can feel like stars you know they can feel like they've achieved something that they that the world says they'll never be able to achieve even if it's just for the night oh yeah and you know one of my favorite quotes for from it is uh from her name is dorian Corey, and she says if everyone went to more balls and did less drugs, the world would be pretty fun, huh? I thought that was funny. Uh, Hell yeah. Absolutely. They talk about like the evolution of the ballroom scene, about how it started off like they wanted to be showgirls. You know, that was like the aesthetic. There's a lot of beads and feathers, very Las Vegas. And then it sort of evolved into they were trying to emulate big movie stars like Elizabeth Taylor and Marilyn Monroe. And then it ended up evolving into what it was. Alexis from Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. So then it ended up evolving into wanting to emulate the pot like the model culture of like the late 80s early 90s and that's where like voguing came from where you pose like they would in the pages of vogue yeah it's like movement movement and uh vignettes that they create with their body vignettes. that yes i'm like doing it right now as, as yeah, if people can hear me or you see look me great thank <laughs> that looks like it's straight out of a magazine and it is super athletic and requires a lot of physical oh. flexibility and gymnastics a lot of muscle and, and endurance yeah that's that's just crazy. And I want to learn how to Vogue. I think I'd be great at it. Just like Vanessa Hudgens when she's like, I'm so into Voguing right now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> Some of the most prominent people in Paris is Burning are Octavia St. Laurent and oh, heartbreaking. Venus Extravaganza. Heartbreaking. Both of them have incredibly heartbreaking and... and important stories within it mm-hmm. i watched it again recently the story that octavia tells is of one of she wants nothing more like she's obsessed with like again like the model culture and she wants nothing more than to be a star it's sort of interesting she sort of start whenever she starts talking about it it's very much like a yeah but you know i this is what it would be nice if it happened but by the end she gets so wrapped up in this idea that one day she could be 
a huge superstar and she wants to be remembered and she wants to have a legacy where people know her name in every house. And you think about it and you think society has not made it possible for people who are like her to win. She can't win. There's no way that she was ever going to win. And there's no way that she was ever going to achieve her dreams because of how society was. And and to be honest, still is. We're not. Still is. We we are have horrible. Even in death, she has become a popular figure in the trans community, in the ballroom scene. But only in death has her status gone from legendary ballroom to you know a mainstream success but not amongst everybody just within our own culture right and so i mean thank god we had we have something like paris is burning so then her her legacy can live on because that's all she wanted and honestly what she deserved she's a she was a beautiful beautiful woman who could have honestly been up there with the fucking best of them but that's unfortunately not the world we live in i watched a documentary with her recently called how do i look which is kind of like a follow-up to paris is burning in which a lot of the people that were in paris is burning um are you know prominent in this documentary but they also talk about their distaste for Paris is Burning like they did not like Hmm. the way everything turned out Um, however uh, Octavia St. Laurent gives interesting testimony as to what it is for her to be trans Um, I almost feel like she probably relates the most to somebody who you know we're with now is um, India Moore who plays Angel in Pose who is trans but non-binary and I almost think that given the testimony that Octavia gives in How Do I Look that she, I think, also identified as non-binary. It's a lovely film. Uh, <laughs> Par- <laughs> uh, How do I look? Is, an- is another good one. It's it's not as well done as Paris is Burning. I will give you. Right. I will tell you that right now. But everyone you know and love is still in there. And also a new one that came out in, I believe, 2016. Yeah, Kiki. Oh, Kiki. Um, so so. Kiki. So um, that one's another good one, and it kind of falls in line with um, if you watch Legendary on HBO Max and also there was another um, series um, about people living in the ballroom culture called My House which was on Vice and that's another another cute look into contemporary ballroom scene there's another person that they interview in this home that I would think is probably the most important of stories that we that were given in this film because her story is so relevant to today still and it's an important issue it's what we are still fighting for when we do these marches when we chant black trans lives matter mm-hmm. and although venus extravaganza is she wasn't black she was still uh, you know of color and she was a trans woman who is featured in the film and she's she talks about her dreams and she wants the normal life that any average woman wants she wants a husband and she wants a life and you really get attached to her and then you come to find out at the very end of the film that she was horribly murdered what during the filming of this documentary during the filming yeah during the filming she was murdered um and uh, her house mother angie extravaganza had to go identify her body um but she found out that she was strangled to death in a motel room her body was just left there under the bed for four days it's horrible it's a horrific story and i think that the most chilling part of the story comes when they're they are interviewing her house mother you know she's talking about venus and how they were so close she says something along the lines of you know i miss her every day but that's the life and the risk you take being a transsexual which is what they were they refer to back in 1989 right. they, they, they didn't to, have they didn't and, have yeah, the transgender the streamlined 
verbiage we have today. Right. So they, they, they were considered transsexual. And I thought that moment was so chilling and profound because of how she says that. As how if, normal it was how, to that. Yes, how absolutely, how it's just like, that's the life we lead. You can't get attached to people because it's more common than not that they will not survive in this world very long. And I thought that was so, so sad and so chilling. But it's a reality. It's a reality that they face and, and still, still happens now. today. It, it does. Uh, there have been at least 14 murders committed in 2020 as a result of a hate crime towards a trans person. And almost all of them have been towards a trans person of color. Right. Those are just, th- that number, not everybody participates in giving those numbers to the FBI. Yeah. So that's not everybody. It's so sad to think that you can't even just live in your own skin and just be left the hell alone. And, th- and that's why it's so, it's so important for us to speak up and fight for the most disenfranchised of people in this world right now. And so please do everything you can to help support the trans community. Before we leave, I wanted to give a, a little shout out to a, an organization I researched, and it's called the Transgender Law Center. And here's the, their mission statement. The Transgender Law Center changes law, policy, and attitudes so that all people can live safely, authentically, and free from discrimination regardless of their gender identity or expression. Transgender Law Center, also known as TLC, is the largest national trans-led organization advocating for a world in which all people are free to define themselves and their futures. Grounded in legal expertise and committed to racial justice, TLC employs a variety of community-driven strategies to keep transgender and gender non-conforming people alive, thriving, and fighting for liberation. I have the website right here. If you go to www.transgenderlawcenter.org slash donate, you can go and donate right there. I'm, I'm sure anything you can to help. Um, and there are also a plethora of other um, organizations that are out there to help support the trans community. Yeah, another one is the National Center for Transgender Equality. Um, you can visit their website at transequality.org. Um, their mission is the National Center for Transgender Equality advocates to change policy policies in society to increase understanding and acceptance of transgender people in the nation's capital and throughout the country NCTE works to replace disrespect discrimination and violence with empathy opportunity and justice our trans brothers and sisters live in a world where this is acceptable where where their murder is just swept under the rug you know we need to use our use our voices for that another organization that i wanted to bring attention to was two of them uh, the black aids institute for um, against hiv and aids blackaids.org and then the latino commission on aids which is latinoaids.org um, the reason i feel these two are most important is because black gay men and Latino gay men are the highest numbers in people who are affected by HIV and AIDS. If you can go in, out and donate for those as well, just to donate to the research and hopefully get this shit under control so that we don't have to be scared to go out there and live our lives. You know, you got to look towards the future and hope that one day we do live in a world without this. Go get tested. One in seven people living with HIV are unaware that they even have it. Please go get tested. Know your status. We have to look out for each other. It's pride in our community and protecting everybody. Let's be a 
strong community and stop being statistics. Thank you for listening. I hope you everybody stay safe. And go to um, YouTube and Global Pride will be streaming on there for a whole 24 hours. Great, so yeah. Dance your ass that. off. Dance your ass off in your fucking jock strap in your living room. You know? Or just put on Lady Gaga, Chromatica. <laughs> yeah. And put that on. I or put on- Megan Thee Stallion on Shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I put on Chromatica maybe like four times a day and I just listen to the whole, thre- whole thing just from beginning to end. <laughs> While I'm just doing, yeah. So I put uh, Megan the Stallion on shuffle, and I pretty much do the same thing. I blast that shit. Hell yeah, (laughs) twerk your ass. All right, well, thank you so much, listeners. Sweet screams, bitch, and happy pride, bitch.